Well, we are going to continue in this message series we've called Enough. We've been in the book of Colossians, and so if you've got a Bible with you, I'd like you to find Colossians chapter 1. But I want to ask you this question. I wonder if you've ever played the secret superpower game. You, you know, like the, the game is like, if you had a secret superpower, what would it be? You know, if I had a secret power, what... I don't want you. Like, for me, my secret superpower would be the gift of flight. I would just love to be able to fly. I would just love to, like, not have to worry about traffic lights or the bumpy roads of our city and, and area. I just, like, get from point A to point B, just sail over the city. I think that would be the most fantastic thing. And I don't know if you've ever, anybody else ever played that game? Like, what, my superpower? Thank you. Um, so why don't you do this? Why don't you just take a moment, turn to the person that you're sitting with today and say, my secret superpower would be, and you can go and fill in the blank on that. Well, listen, um, that would be great, but that's not really reality. But when we read the book of Acts in the New Testament, what we see in the New Testament is like those believers were blessed with superpowers or really supernatural power because they, they spoke in tongues. They were healing paralyzed people. They, they were, you know, they walked out of locked prison cells. They, they cast out demons. They even raised the dead. And, and that was the Holy Spirit alive and working. Jesus was working through them. Jesus had promised that they would do great things. And that same Holy Spirit that caused such a stir on Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit resident in each and every believer. If you don't believe me on that, I, you can look with, with, I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 2 at the end of that Pentecost event. Uh, the, the Apostle Peter, he preached, and people were really astounded by what he said. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then here's the promise. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise is for you and to your children And even to the Gentiles, so that includes all of us, and all who have been called by the Lord our God. That was a promise that the Holy Spirit would come for everyone who turns from the sin, turns to God in faith to receive Jesus. Be baptized your sin and receive, for your sin, receive the Holy Spirit. And so, that's a promise for you. That same Holy Spirit back then is the same Holy Spirit today. And and much of the Apostle Paul's writing, as you read through the New Testament, there's many letters, that several letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to different churches and different groups of people, individuals even. And often he's explaining now what salvation means. Yes, it's faith in Christ, but what does that mean? How do you live that out? How do you express that on a day-to-day basis? Yes, you're saved from the judgment of sin. That's fantastic. Yes, you've received the gift of eternal life. Wonderful, right? And that's only available by faith. We know that because of what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. The New Living translates it, puts us this way. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. It's by grace you've been saved. But Paul then also wants to help his, his readers understand that there's more to this. It's not just that you've been saved, but there's more. There's, there's an extension on this. And it's this, that there's a mystery, a secret of inner power granted to each and every believer. And that's what we're going to read about in Colossians chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Let's stand together as we read Colossians chapter 1, verses 24, and then we're going to read into chapter 2, verse 5. So about a dozen verses here. 
Paul writes this. He says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Verse 26 says, this message was kept secret. It's a mystery for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret or this mystery that Christ lives in you. And this gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Verse 28, so we tell others about Christ. We're warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and I struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Verse 4. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Let's be seated together. Thank the Lord for his word. So some translations use the, the word mystery. Uh, this translation we're using, New Living, talks about a secret. But let me, let me clarify this word mystery because it's kind of the title of the message this morning. We're not talking about like a, a whodunit, you know, novel of some kind like we're not talking about like a, some kind of unsolvable puzzle like oh it's a mystery you know for some of us like uh, uh you, you you look you think about how you're the how you drive your car and you you start the engine and you look in under the hood and and you think you know i'm the guy if i'm ever shopping for a car i say oh let's have a look under the hood i have no idea what i'm looking at i'm like oh it's good it's mystery it's a mystery to me how that works right the better word i think is what the new living says and that's secret and, and Paul's audience understood in that context, in that language, in that religious environment, that a mystery is a sacred truth reserved for those who believe. For today, though, we're going to stick with this more complex term of mystery. Think about it as a knowable secret. It's the source of, of all that you need for life, for power, for godliness. And so... Really, according to the Apostle Paul, if you're a believer in Jesus, your secret superpower is this. The mystery of Christ is revealed in you and through you. The mystery of Christ is revealed in you and through you. If you're taking notes today and you're following on your outline, you can write that one down. The mystery of Christ is revealed in you and through you. The Christian believer is not not saved only for an eternal home in, in heaven or or, or just for personal help in this life and, and support. And those things are great. It's wonderful. We're saved for this reason. To, to glorify God as a container, a vessel, is a kind of an old term, uh, you know, a box, right? That holds the presence of Jesus in our lives and shares it with other people. The mystery of Christ revealed in you and through you for others. And it's a bit hard to accept on those days when you've just blown it, 
when you've lost your temper or where you're, where you're super stressed or you're anxious or discouraged, you're struggling with sin or something's going on, you think, I, I'm not feeling, I really don't feel like the mystery of Christ is in me and through me. I feel like a lot of just the old person in me. But the promise of scripture is that the, the mystery of Christ is revealed in you and through you. It was one day this week, I was, I was having a really, um, this is a tough moment. I, I pulled into the parking lot and I just, I just didn't want to get on my car. I, anybody ever had one of those days? You just think, I, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe you pull up to work or something. I, I don't know. I don't think I can, I don't, I just don't have it in me today. And I, I just saw, I just want to sit in my car and listen to NHL radio, satellite radio. And that's what I wanted to do. And I had been prepping this message and I was just reminded, the Lord just reminded me, just, he's just remember what you just wrote down? The mystery of Christ is in you. And if Christ is in me, then I can face whatever comes my way. Cause it's not actually me. It's Christ in me at work. Super encouraging moment, super empowering moment. That the same Jesus that God raised from the dead, the same Jesus that, that created everything visible and invisible like we talked about last week, the same Jesus who holds all things together lives in me. And if you're a believer, lives in you. That takes a lot of pressure off. It's not really on you, is it? Now, this is not some kind of Buddhist thinking or, or you know, Hindu kind of mysticism. And, and that's there's that mystery word again. You know, it's not about finding kind of finding the divine inside of yourself. It's the mystery of the gospel that by faith, Jesus comes to dwell in the life of every believer. Uh, you may know that three of us from this church went to the Philippines in March and we participated in a program called DMI Disciple Making International. And in that process, we did a lot of kind of personal evangelism. So sharing Jesus Christ with, with individuals and small groups and larger groups and one of these different places. And as we, it was uh, Henry Blau from our church and Dave Friesen and myself. And as we went to these different people and had the opportunity to, to kind of tell our own story and then explain that, you know, you could by faith trust in Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and to receive eternal life. And that, and we use, often use the verse out of, out of, um, Revelation 3 that says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone would listen and would, would answer and open the door, then I'll come in and I'll, we'll have a meal together. And so you use that a lot and use kind of the language of, would you like to invite Jesus into your life to forgive your sin and make you right with God and prepare, prepare an eternal home for you and so on? And, um, many of them responded yes and pray with them and, Help them understand how to, how to confess their sins to God and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And then you ask this question of, where's Jesus in your heart? I want to show you a picture. Where's Jesus now? This is one of my favorite pictures of our whole trip. This is Rosita Kistorio. She's uh, 77 years of age, 74 years of age. And, uh, she's tiny. She's tiny. When we, when Pastor Euler and I walked up to her home, she was, she was sweeping the dirt courtyard with a, with a rough broom and, and she lives in, in fact, you can see the broom just to, just to her left there. And, and, and he's a very, very simple house, very simple structure. She lives there with her daughter and her, her grandkids. And 
asked if I could share my story. She said, yes. And we sat, she sat down on the front stoop of her house and I sat down on a little rock or something, I don't know, and explained the gospel message. She wanted to pray with me, which she did, and had a translator with me. And at the end, I said, where is Jesus now? In my heart. She knew it. She sensed it. She felt it. There is something about the mystery of Christ in you. I don't know how you make a day without it. The mystery of Christ in you. And a big part of the mystery that Paul was talking about here is that is that Jesus is not only just for the Jews. Remember, Jesus is a Jew. Jesus was born into a Jewish family. It comes from Jewish roots. Jesus is Jewish, right? But Jesus is not just for the Jews. He's for the Gentiles. That's you and me as well. And and Jesus comes not only into our life for our own benefit, but so that we can share him with others. Paul understood that, that as Christian believers, as followers of Jesus, proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to those who haven't trusted him yet, Jesus is revealed. God is revealed. He is, another translation puts it this way. He is the hope of glory. The assurance of something to come that's, that's greater than anything now. The hope of glory. Jesus revealed to others. Had a, another great story this week. Someone in our church shared with me this, this situation. She, um, she, she gets her nails done by the same person all the time and, She's been praying for her and she was getting her nails done last week or a week before and, and, and she said, hey, would you, would you like to have dinner with me? And the woman said, yes. Now why would that be? Why would these two, like, not the same age, not the same life stage, no common friends, no common interests, and yet the manicurist, when asked by a random client, <laughs> would you like to have dinner together? Said yes. Now why would that be? Is it possible that she senses, having ministered to each other, having served this woman by doing her nails, that she senses something in her that I would say, we would say, is the the presence of Christ, the mystery of Christ revealed in her and through her. And she said, I'd love to have dinner with you. So they're going to go have dinner. And and our our friend is praying, can you just pray that I'll I'll know how to share the Lord with her in the right way and have the right words? That's, That's Jesus Christ, the hope of glory revealed in us. And you need to know that if you've ever trusted in Jesus Christ for your salvation, and if you're continuing to follow him, the mystery of Christ is revealed in you and through you, whether or not you feel like it, no matter how badly you blew it yesterday. Christ revealed in you and through you. And and there's more to this mystery. Paul wrote that he worked hard, he struggled, he, he suffered, he says, all for the efforts of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul understood that the goal of every Christian believer is to become mature or perfected in Christ Jesus. We could put it this way. The mystery of Christ takes you further. Or another way to put it might be to say that the Christ in you breaks the status quo. Remember, this is all about an actual relationship with Jesus, not just knowledge about doctrine. The mystery of Christ breaks the status quo in you. Now, we all battle the status quo. Status quo just means like we want things to stay the same. It's not because it's better. It's just easier. It's just more comfortable. Like, let me give a very, let me just get personal here for a moment, okay? I know I could stand to get in a little better shape. I could stand to eat a little better, exercise, I was going to say a little more, exercise some, and uh, 
you know, get in a little bit better shape. I realize that. So last Sunday, Mother's Day, uh, Becky says uh, to her two sons and I, she says, I, I, don't, I don't need gifts. Let's just spend the day together. Let's go on a hike. And so we went on a nice, easy hike. And, um, and I'm, and she's, and, and, and she says, Hey, I want to take your picture. So there's a picture here. Okay. I'm standing up on this rock. I'm manly, you know, looking over the river, you know, and, uh, what, you know, you don't all realize is that I'm actually going, okay, take the picture. Right. And as I'm standing there holding my breath, she says, Hey, suck your gut in a little. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I am sucking it in already. The next picture is better. I don't want to show the next one to you because you'd get distracted because this looks really buff. But I can't, I can't breathe when I'm doing that, right? Now listen, the status quo is just easier. It's not better, but it is easier. It's more comfortable. We don't even love it. We, we're not really even happy with that situation. We think, well, it's just easier. Now that's physical. What about spiritual? The spiritual status quo is that you stay the same spiritually, even though you're not really happy with it. Status quo says stuff like this. Hey, don't get too into Jesus. Don't be like a Jesus freak. Don't be like a a Bible thumper. That's weird. Spiritual status quo says, just leave your Bible on the shelf. You don't really need to pray. You don't really need to sing when we gather and worship. The, The status quo says, you know, don't admit that you've got issues. It says, don't let anyone know that, that you drink too much or that you're addicted to pain pills or you can't stop looking at pornography or, or that your eating's out of control or they, that you just can't, can't seem to, to shake depression or anxiety or doubts or same-sex attraction. It, uh, that, that spiritual status quo says, you, you know, you're, don't let anybody know that your marriage is miserable or, or, or that, that, that debt is killing you or that your kids won't talk to you or you just want to kill yourself. Don't tell anybody. Just put on a mask. Keep it nice. Carry on another day, pretend everything is fine, and hopefully it'll all be good. That's the spiritual status quo. And the mystery of Christ revealed in you is that you're meant to go further. You're meant to grow in spiritual maturity. And part of growing in spiritual maturity means you're able to admit your weaknesses and ask for help. Now, you don't blab that to everybody that'll, you know, you can get their attention, but finding Trusted people to say, I, I, I got some stuff. I need some help. I'm working on this. Right? To grow in spiritual maturity means you're, you're learning to pray that, that, that you're, you're quick to ask someone else to pray for you. Hey, can you guys just pray for me? Right? Maturity means you're learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Learning to, to, to listen to, to God speak to you through scripture. That, that, that you're, that you're learning to hear God speak to you through worship. Josh, thanks for helping us do that this morning. Right? You're, you're being, coming sensitive to the inner voice of the Holy Spirit. To, to go further, to break the spiritual status quo means you're growing in compassion. Not just for the people that you already like, but growing in compassion for all people. Let me tell you this. Maturity has nothing to do with position, a title, with age, with years of experience. Just because you have the position of a, a, a leader or a teacher or, you know, I have the title of past, pastor. That's no, that's no guarantee of maturity. That's no promise of maturity. Where, where does it come from? A person who has allowed the mystery of Christ to take them further into maturity is known by their character, 
not, not known by their position, not, not known by their age. It's about character. They're humble. They're teachable. They're leadable. They don't need to be right all the time. They don't bully others. They don't rebel against leaders. Maturity means you're following Jesus. You desire to get closer to Him. It means, you, you know what it means? It means you don't want church as a social club. It means you want to belong to a missional force that's going to turn the world upside down. Right? Maturity means that you're not going to be satisfied with simple answers. And I don't mean to suggest that any of us are there. It's about pro, it's about progress, right? It's about when in recovery work, we talk, we don't talk about, hey, have you achieved it? We talk about how far have you, not how far have you gone, but how far have you come? Are you in motion? Are you making some progress? Sometimes it's the teeniest little baby steps, but they're baby steps forward. That's what, we're, that's what we're looking for. That's what maturity is about. We're growing in that way. And, and so things like, you, you know, you want real answers. Or you give generously. Or you surrender your comforts and your preferences for the benefit of others. So you can share the gospel. That's maturity. And it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 77. Now let me say something about some of our younger um, congregants today. Some of you young people are growing in maturity, spiritual maturity, in incredibly beautiful ways. And I'm just going to tell you this. When you add some passion to it, you're blessed with an incredible leader in, in Janice, your director. So thank you, Janice. But you're, as you take that spiritual maturity that's, that you've been pursuing and you add in some passion to it and you add in some risk taking to it, what happens? You're, you're, you're going to find you could turn things upside down. You could turn things around. You're going to find some of you that that, that your commitment to Jesus is going to take you to places you never expected they would take you. Where, where you're going to find yourself going into gospel-driven causes like, like life for the unborn, freedom for the trafficked, healthcare for the poor, right? Water and agriculture for the oppressed and so on and so on. The mystery of Christ can smash the spiritual status quo. And I'm, I'm, I know I noticed, I said it's not about age, but th- those of you who are younger having that much more potential than the rest of us. The mystery of Christ takes you further. And I hope you want to go further in your spiritual life, again, regardless of age. Now, when you take the mystery of Christ revealed in you and through you, and you add this mystery of breaking the status quo, you end up with another element, and I would call it this. The mystery of Christ creates resilient community. The mystery of Christ creates resilient community. And... You think, now Brian, why would you go use a $20 word? What does that even mean, resilient? Well, resilient means something that can withstand pressure over time. Something that can withstand hardship over time. See, in the beginning of, of chapter two, Paul talks about his own desires for the church. Right? He wants them to be encouraged, he says. He wants them to be unified in love, he says. He wants them to be confident in Christ. He wants them to be discovering the gems of wisdom and knowledge hidden in Christ. Did you know that sometimes you've, you've got to dig for it? You've got to dig for it. Gems. You think about diamonds and gold. What do they do for those? They mine. Those aren't sitting on the surface. They've to mine for those things. They have to dig down for those things. And sometimes you've got to dig for the, for the gems. One of the things I always, you know, tell people when we're learning to do our devotions together, this R&R journal that I talk about all the time is, you know, sometimes you'll read it and think, I got nothing. I got, I got nothing. I'll, sometimes I'll read all three chapters and I'm like, I ain't seen nothing. What does that mean? It means you've got to dig. 
It means you got to mine for it. I'll go back and read it again. Lord, I know you have something for me. It's your word. I know you've got something for me. But sometimes got to dig for those gems. Dig for that, those hidden, hidden, uh, you know, beauties of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. But why are those things important? Why would it matter that, that, that Paul wants us to be unified, to be confident in Christ, to discovering those gems? It's this. He says it in verse 4. He says, I'm telling you this. Let's go to the next, uh, next slide if we can. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Verse 4. So that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. I don't know if you realize this, but there have always been, from the earliest days of the church... People and forces that are crafting clever arguments against the truth, against scripture, against the very message of Jesus Christ, your savior. And we, we touched on it last week, didn't we? We, we talked about this well-crafted argument against the creator and against creation called evolutionary belief. There, there are well-crafted arguments against God's design for sexuality, God's design for marriage, God's design for work and for rest, even well-crafted arguments against worship and against generosity, against faith. There's even Christian arguments that are confusing. Some people want to get in a big discussion about, you know, when Jesus is going to come back and is it going to be for this or after that and who's going to be there and, right? Some, some want to kind of drag you into an argument about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What's for us and what isn't? And, and arguments about whether or not you could drink a glass of wine or, or have a pint of beer. And so it's like, oh, let's argue about it. Well-crafted arguments that aren't helping anything. They're actually leading you away from your faith in Christ. But if you're embracing the mystery of, of Jesus Christ, Christ in you, growing in maturity, taking you further, growing in transparency, being honest... You're not going to get all twisted up when someone comes at you with something that, that sounds good, but you just know is wrong. Ever had one of those conversations? Someone's like, you know, I mean, it is on the Internet. I know it's weird, but someone wrote about it and put it online. It must be true. Right? I think, ah, no, you're, you're, you're going to be able to resist those clever, you know, Smart sounding arguments that are not true. And Paul wants us to be encouraged, to be unified in love, to be confident in Christ, to, to be discovering that the gems of wisdom and knowledge hidden in Christ. Why? So that you can withstand those who want to destroy your faith, those who want to dis- destroy your confidence in the Lord. And it's a resilient community. The church, the gathering of God's people, a resilient, strong standing community built on what? Maturing faith, built on authentic, loving, welcoming, encouraging relationships. What about you? What about you? Do you, do you have the mystery of Christ alive in you? Revealed through you? Do you want the, the mystery of Christ to take you further into spiritual maturity? Or do you prefer the status quo? Do, do you want to be part of a resilient, transparent community? The mystery of Christ revealed in you and through you. The mystery of Christ that takes you further into maturity. The mystery of Christ creating a strong and resilient community of God's people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the precious 
powerful truth. That by the Holy Spirit, we can know Jesus Christ living in each one of us. And God, I ask that you would stir in us a willingness to admit that we make mistakes, that we we are broken, that we're struggling, that we have areas, deep areas of need. God, I, I just ask that you would stir in us a desire to move the needle forward with you, even if it's in tiny ways, but to move it forward with you. To learn to hear you, to learn to, to trust you. God, I, I just thank you for this phenomenal ministry, uh, truth of of the mystery of Christ in us and through us. Lord, I just pray that becomes more real. Church, if you're someone today that you have never trusted Jesus Christ personally, I don't mean like belief and doctrine, I don't mean going to church, but where you have said, Jesus, I trust you to forgive my sin and make me right with you. I would love to give you that opportunity. You could pray something very simple where you say, Jesus, I trust in you. I ask you to forgive all my sin. To make me right with you. And to empower me to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I want to be your disciple. If you're praying something like that today, would you talk to me? Would you let someone know after the service? We'd love to help you with, with what that means. And for all of us, to walk into this week knowing this this beautiful mystery of Christ in us and it would change every place we go. God, we thank you for this. We thank you for your word and the opportunity to be together in Jesus' name. Amen.